Well, we started last week talking about this uh, subject, 10 keys to avoiding sexual temptation. Uh, if you didn't bring your notes back, uh, we've got a few with us here that would uh, be able to help you. Um, so just lift your hand up, okay, if you'd like to get uh, notes so you can follow along with what's going on. There's, uh, we might not have enough for everybody, uh, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a few there. So we were talking about this 10 keys to overcoming sexual temptation. I took the word temptation, each letter of the word. We covered last week the first one, number one, touch. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And we talked about some of the power of touch and some of the impact of touch and how we need to be very careful. We're unlocking something when we step in that arena. So we're going to move on from there, though, and we're going to go uh, now to the second letter in temptation, E, which stands for eyes. Number two is eyes. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gauge, gaze at a virgin? You know, God has created uh, man some very powerful things. You know, what was, what is, what was supposed to happen? What was... The, what was the intent, right? Well, the intent was that, you know, you would come to the place, find that special person that you wanted to connect with, and then on your wedding night, you would see her for the first time. And, uh, and when you did, your body is actually built. There's a chemical reaction that takes place. Your body is actually built. And this is why eyes is such a a strong thing for a man, particularly relating to a man, that there's like a chemical, chemicals that get released that actually burn that image into your mind. And uh, it, just becomes, it just becomes a part of you. It would be similar if you th th think about um, what happens, you know, you see the picture of, a, a, you know, the little ducks, you know, and, the, and sometimes the duck will become confused and the first thing they see after they... Uh, they break out of their egg as a little puppy or a dog or something, and you'll see the picture of the ducks following the dog around because they've, they, they, th that, that uh, chemical thing that was happening inside, and then boom, and they got, they got fixated on the dog, okay? And so now they're following the dog around instead of following the mother duck around. And uh, it's the same kind of a thing. There's, a re there's actually a reaction that happens in the system of a man that causes him to, to fix it in. So, so when you take that picture that I've just given you right there, and then you introduce the issue of pornography. So what happens is when pornography gets uh, introduced into a person's life, this whole system that God has created gets messed up. For one thing you have to realize is that pornographic images are not real images. What I mean by they're not real images is... Uh, most of the time they've been doctored and touched up and all this kind of stuff. And real, it, when you try to get around real people, real people don't look exactly like what the image is that they've tried to create for you. And so all at once now, when you finally make that decision, as a, and I'm speaking now to young men, uh, when you finally make that decision, you, you choose your wife, you connect, now you come in, she has to compete with images that are not even real images, they're not reality, that, um, that you are carrying around in your mind because you've opened up this gate and this place. 
And, uh, you know, we, you need to pray. You know, we need to pray, God, just cleanse my mind, cleanse my thing, you know, make me fresh again in my spirit so that when I look upon my young wife, when I look upon her, there's going to be that connection, that bonding, that link, and I'm not going to be carrying around these images in my mind. And, and any man that's been here that's uh, touched pornography or dealt, knows what I talk about, uh, what I'm talking about, because you, you have some images that you, you have in your mind that you have carried with you for years, you know, I've, known, I, I've talked to a man who's 60 years old, and he can remember things he saw as a teenager because of this reaction that I'm talking that takes place. So you need to realize pornography, it's not just like entertainment, it's not just a, a little thing, it's serious business that actually has physical consequences in your body and in your mind and in your relationships in the future because it puts, um, uh, it puts a competition into the relationship with your spouse that really has no need to be there. And so you got, we want to be very careful. Now, uh, the eyes are primarily a male issue, but not exclusively. That is, there can be other factors that work in that cause this to also become an issue for a woman. But normally it's not really built around, the issue is not really built around um, the same thing that it is for a man. And a man... The eyes are like a gate right into their, their soul. I don't know how to describe it. There's actually, like I say, physical reactions that are there. But the third thing when we're dealing with women is the, is the more common area, and it has to do with the mind. Number three is the mind. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Now, unlike the man whose eye is the primary gate to temptation, men have to guard their eyes. They, have to, they, they, they just have to make a decision there are things they're not going to look at. They're, they just have to guard that, that gate, that, that way in. For a woman is often tempted through fantasy. And so it's just a different, it's just a different mechanism, so to speak, that often, that, that, and again, I'm speaking in generalities. You know, people are different. But this is just, in, in generalities, this is the case, and you'll find in many cases. Unlike the man whose eye is the primary get, get, gate to temptation, a woman is tempted through fantasy, through the power of a story, and, uh, and this ability to suspend um, reality by entering into a story or entering into a fantasy in some kind of way. This is why romantic, you know, you know, when you, if I say, uh, what's a chick flick as opposed to a guy flick? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Right? Is that, is that, is that you know, we talk about a, a chick flick, you know, it's, it has to do with romance and story and they love and this thing happened. And all, you know, all, these, all this drama of this, this, the story that is in the situation. And that just captivates a woman's heart. I, the first time I really came to realize this, my wife was actually my girlfriend at the time. 
and we went to a movie together. And so we go to this movie, and in the movie, the, the heroine of the movie gets killed. Some bad guys kill him. It's like one of those, you know, <gasps> you know, the person that you... So the movie ends, and she's not my wife then, she's my girlfriend, but she's crying. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, something must have happened in this movie that maybe tapped into something that's happened in her life in some kind of way, because the woman is like sobbing next to me. And so I, I so I, you know, I'm, I'm saying to her, I'm saying, well, what, you know, you know, what is it? What, you know, are you okay? And she's crying. What is it? You know what she says? Why, why did he have to die? I'm thinking, you know, somebody in her family has died. You know, there's something like that. And I said, so I say, I say, well, who died? Who, 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 who died? And she says, she says, the guy in the movie, why did he have to die? You know, and I'm, again, now I'm a man, right? So, so I look at her and I go, he didn't die. And she, she looks at me and she goes, what do you mean? And I said, it's a movie. <laughs> Nobody really dies. You know what I mean? They go bang and the person falls over. But nobody really is dead. Ta -da! I'm totally not understanding what's happening, right? You, you get what I'm saying? I'm totally not getting it that she has entered into the story in a way that I don't I don't do, right? She's, she's gotten into the story, and when somebody died in that story, for her, it was as if they had died right there. I mean, she was in it. You know, she was in it, see? And so this, this issue that I'm talking about right now is, is very powerful because most affairs have been fantasized about before they have been acted on. What I'm, say, what I'm saying is that what happens is and you'll find this as a, you know, I've worked as a counselor for couples and different kinds of things like this as a pastor in the church and this kind of thing. And you'll find this thing where, where you know, the guy is like, you know, well, you know, I don't know what just happened. You know, kind of, you know he's kind of, but when you talk to a woman about an affair she has gotten caught up into, she has an elaborate justification as you talk with her about how she was treated and, and, and uh, um, just, just the story, the drama of the, of the relationship and how meaningful it is and how deep it is and how much better she's treated. She, she builds this whole thing up. She's, she's, she builds the story up. And then the story provides the environment that gives her justification in her mind for her to say, it's okay for me to do this. Because of this, you know, because of this unjust thing that's happened, because of this, because of the, because of the story that's going on, it's okay for me to act on this thing. And uh, this, is a, this is a very powerful thing I, I've seen. I, I remember I, I've worked for years with single people. I used to run um, a ministry called Mobilize to Serve that held conferences and seminars for single people all over the nation. And, and um, uh, I, a good portion of the 15 or so people that were on my staff were uh, women. 
And, uh, and uh, so I remember one time I came in and I said, uh, oh, I had fun. I really enjoyed watching this show last night. It was, a, you know, some TV, some show that was on TV at the time. And one of the gals that was there with me, she looked at me and she said, I, I don't watch that show. And I, I, I said, why not? You know, because it was kind of an adventure show. I didn't get what, you know, what, why not? She says, the way they put the story together in that show, she says, if I watch that show, it leads me down a path mentally, she said, where I just end up going places that I know I'm not supposed to go. And as she's saying this to me, there are two or three other women that are in the kind of an open office area, and they're going, yeah, we're the same way. We don't watch that. We just don't watch that show. Because where, where we end, when that show finishes, where we end up mentally is like totally in the wrong place. And we become more vulnerable to temptation. A woman will justify an affair with an elaborate fantasy. And so we must avoid mentally rehearsing sexual sin. Most affairs were fantasized about before they were experienced. Okay, number four. Prayer. Prayer. Matthew 6.13 says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then this next one. No one can live a life without temptation. For we do not have a high priest, it says, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. This is a very powerful thing right here. It says, you know, one of the most, the greatest tools the enemy uses against people is temptation because they don't understand the nature of temptation or how temptation works. A lot of us have this feeling that if I am tempted by something, it shows something about the quality of my heart and the quality of, my, uh, of who I am in God. That is, if a certain kind of a thought comes to me, then that actually is a reflection of something that is inside of me. And let me just say to you right now, that is an absolute lie from the pit of hell. Okay, Temp when you get tempted by something, you know, you, you, you know, here you are, you, you come to, uh, you know, you come to church and uh, we're just worshiping Jesus, you know, and you look over at uh, Sister Susie and start undressing her in your mind, right? And you think to yourself, what? What? I'm, I'm, I must be like some kind of wacko. I must have some kind of, you know... What is wrong with me? I, I'm, I'm a sick person. Here I am in the house of God, worshiping and praising the Lord. And what does this say about me, the, the cesspool of my heart? See, this is the thinking that we get. Because we think that the temptation is a reflection of who we are inside. And we do not understand this very, very simple concept that the devil has the ability to introduce into your mind temptations and to introduce into your mind thoughts. Well, how can I say that with authority? Because he did it to Jesus. If Satan could come to Jesus and put forward thoughts that were not in Jesus' mind, but to try and get Jesus to do a certain thing, 
Are you with me? If, he can, if the devil can do that to Jesus, what do you think he can do with your little pea brain? Right? And so you have to come to this realization that you realize that temptation, first of all, everybody is tempted. There is nobody walking on planet Earth, including Jesus Christ, that is not tempted. So everybody is tempted. Number two, the temptation says nothing about you. It's, it says everything about the devil that's trying to destroy your life and hurt you and pull you down and wipe you out. But it says nothing about your character, who you are, what's going on inside of you. It says nothing about you. And you got to get a hold of that idea because you have to do battle. You have to learn how to, how to fight in the situation that you're in. So one of the, one of the great tools for fighting is what I call martial arts prayers. Okay? Martial arts prayers. What do I mean by martial arts prayers? Well, if you ever study, if you ever study the martial arts, you, uh, you know that one of the key ideas in the martial arts, it's the reason that a small person can beat a big person in martial arts, is the idea that I use the enemy's power against him. Right? I use the force that that person is trying to bring the bear on the situation. I use it against them. So, so what do you have? You have this big guy, and the big guy throws a punch. The smaller guy doesn't try to go head to head with him. Uh, you know, I'll take that punch, and I'll give you one. He doesn't do that. The big guy throws the punch. The little guy is standing there. He steps back from the punch, grabs the big guy's arm, and pulls him in the same direction as he's already throwing himself. Are you with me? And all at once, the big guy goes slamming down on the ground. Not because the little guy was stronger, but because the, the little guy used the power of his enemy against him. And this, you can do the same thing with martial arts, what I call martial arts prayers. So, let's say it's like, you know, we describe this situation. Here you are in a chapel, and, uh, and as you're in chapel, you're wanting to worship the Lord and this kind of thing. And all once somebody, the, the enemy brings up a person in your mind in a way that you know is not right. You're, you're thinking about them in the wrong kind of way, a sexual way or this kind of thing. Brings up a person in your mind in that way. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? What you do is you say this, every time that happens to me, I'm going to begin interceding for that person. So the enemy brings up the person into your mind in a sexual way, and you begin to pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just believe that you're going to strengthen that person, that they're going to grow in faith, they're going to become mighty in God. Lord, I just, and you just begin to intercede for that person. I want to tell you, you want to drive the devil nuts. You want to drive, because the last thing the devil thought was going to happen when they brought that person up into your mind was that you were going to intercede for them, right? They were thinking that you were going to play with that idea and run down that path a little bit and do some stuff. You, you instead, you take the enemy through that, you, you're going to put that person on my mind? That's great. I'm going to just pray for them right now. I'm going to pray for God's richest and best in their life. I'm going to pray that they overcome in every way. I'm going to pray, that, and, and I'm just going to pray for that person. The devil you know, goes, 
You know, when the devils come into this room trying to, trying to attack your mind, you know, the other devils will say, don't do it, don't do it, don't tempt him, don't try and tempt him on that. What do you mean? What do you mean? This is what we do. Don't do it, I'm telling you, if you do it, you know. They'll try and tempt you, and bam, you'll start interceding. <laughs> devils will be like, <laughs> burning hot fire, <laughs> jumping back, you know. They're like, they're, they're like this is... This is terrible. This is not what's supposed to happen when we introduce temptation into a person's mind. Are you with me? So prayer, this is one of the things that prayer uh, can do for us. This is why he, the, 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 in Matthew you see he says, lead us, he says, pray this prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, right? He's, he's, he's trying to show us that there's a way to pray that actually... Um, breaks the power of temptation by converting the energy of that attack into something that actually strengthens us and moves us forward in the Lord. Okay, let's do another one. Number five. Turn away. 1 Corinthians 6.18. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Here, 2 Timothy 2.22, he says, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Never be ashamed of running from lust. You know, a lot of people get this idea but, that I've got to, I, I want to I resist the devil, you know. I'm going to, you know, well, they, you know, I got this, you, you, I'm in this situation where youthful lust is, is a possibility, but I'm going to, I'm going to just resist it. I'm not, I'm going to stand again. I won't let it go. You know, he says, flee youthful lust. He says, when you get into that situation, other stuff you, maybe you resist, but this thing you run from, you flee, you, you get out of it. I've had a young pastor come tell me that uh, he got a phone call, went to someone's house, the door opened up, and the woman was standing there with no clothes on. And he talked to me about running out of the, just running down the driveway. A fellow by the name of Judson Cornwall, he used to be a famous speaker. I heard him speak one time right here, as a matter of fact, in this room. Heard him speak one time, and he talked about a situation where he was in his office. And a woman had an appointment, came into his office, walked into the office, opened up her trench coat, and she had no clothes on underneath. You know what he did? He jumped out the window. Literally. Thank God it was the first floor. He jumped out the window. Right? He, he, he wasn't going to say, well, you know, just button up your coat. I can resist that. That's no problem. I'm, you know, da 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 He got out of there. Flee, youthful Lust, right? So when you got something going on that you, you know, you know, most of the time this stuff, a lot of times this stuff happens. It's not like there was a plan behind it. It's not like there, it's just, it's like something happens and you got to make a decision in the moment. And I'm telling you, the right decision in the moment is to get out of Dodge. Do what you have to do to get away from the situation. You can, you can dissect it later on, but right now I got to get out of here, right? Flee. Youthful lust, turn away, is the uh, is number five. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Um, don't be passive. When it says resist the devil, 
we have to understand that when it comes to uh, sexual stuff, we cannot be passive. We have got to act and flee and resist. Get out of the situation, but flee out of the situation. Number six, alarms. This is a big one, alarms. When your wife or husband, your spouse, or friends, or spiritual authorities in your life tell you it's not right, something's going on and it's not right, don't justify, don't explain, just stop. This is what Proverbs 12, 15 says. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. You are locked into deception when you can't hear the repeated attempts of those that love you to warn you. Now, I'm just going to tell you straight up, this is just the way, you know, this is just the way it is, right? Um, I've been in with many situations, students, married couples as a pastor, you know, all kinds of circumstances and situations. And people, when, when you get drunk on this idea of getting into an affair and getting into people, they're not sober in their thinking. Their thinking goes, it goes right out the window. And uh, many times you'll hear, I'll hear a story like this, this the, the thing. My wife said to me she was not comfortable with this person, the way they were interacting with me. But I just said, it's no problem. I blew it off and then ended up falling into an affair with that person. I've heard that story. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that story repeated. Basically, that, that the wife was trying to sound an alarm, or it happens the other way around. The husband is trying, saying, you know what, I'm not com- you're going out to lunch with this person. I'm not comfortable with you doing that. I, I, I just don't feel good about that. And the wife says, oh, it's, it's just business. It's no big deal. It's nothing. Everything will be fine. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, falls into an affair. There, there, is, there is this thing in us. The fool is right in his own eyes. When key people like your spouse, when key people like the spiritual leaders and authorities in your life, when key people like your friends sound an awar- a warning, they sound an alarm to you, even if you don't get it. Because remember, the fool is right in their own eyes. The fool is looking at it and going, oh, great. Oh, you, you, you're so, you know, who do you hang around with? You are, so, you are just, you know. You're so sensitive, and you're so this, and you're so worked up. Oh, it's no big deal. It's just not anything. The fool is right in their own eyes. That's the way the fool is. The fool looks at it and says, you know, I'm right. But when the people who are close to you try and warn you, try and sound an alarm for you, you need to listen to them. I heard a quote one time that really helped me to get a hold of this, and I've I've held on to it. This This is the quote. If one person tells you, your horse's butt, ignore them. If two people tell you you're a horse's butt, check the mirror. If three people tell you you're a horse's butt, go out and buy a saddle. Right? When you got people 
in your life that are sounding an alarm and they're saying to you, this is not right, if one person says it to you, say, okay, you know, that's your opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. If two people say it to you, you better start looking in the mirror closely to see what's going on. If three people say it, say it to you, you, you are what they're telling you. You are what they're telling you. You're going down the wrong path. The alarm is being sounded. I'm telling you what I'm saying right now. This will really help you because many, most of the time, when I'm dealing with Christian circles and Christian situations and stuff like that, when people go down this path, there have been many alarms along the path. When they talk about it afterwards, they'll say, you know, so-and-so talked to me. My pastor talked to me. My friend said to me, this is not the right thing to do. I, there are many alarms along the path that they ignored and ended up in the situation that they were in. Okay, let me give you another one. Be accountable. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Um, if you've got a temptation that is overcoming you, you need to confess it to a trusted, godly friend. Sometimes the simple act of saying something out loud will destroy the power of the temptation, just putting it into words. And, and uh, I've heard many times counselors use this phrase, bondages are only as strong as your secrets. When you have a secret aspect of your life, when you have a secret thing that's going on, when you have something that you've never talked to anybody about, when you've got something like this going on, even if it's something that happened to you that you never talked to anybody about, you just kind of put it out of your mind, it's in the past, everything else. But the problem, it's not in the past. The problem is because you have kept it all hidden, it's, it's kind of frozen into your life. And the only way you can get this stuff out is to confess it, to just, to just talk it out. And it's very, very powerful. Um, uh, you know, when they, they say when you're trying to get weeds out of a garden that you, you pull the weed out, you knock the dirt off the weed, and then you lay it in the sun. And that's what kills the weed. If you just pull the weed out and throw the weed down again, it'll put a taproot back down into the ground again. It'll just keep going. And a lot of us, that's the way we are. We've got things in our lives, and the way we have dealt with them because we live in the dark is we pull things out and just drop it back down again. Pull things out, and we feel good, like we got some deliverance, and then we just drop it back down. It puts a tap root right back down and again. Instead of realizing you've got to pull it out, you've got to knock the dirt off the root, you've got to lay it out in the sun, in the sidewalk right there in the sun, and then that thing is t killed completely dead. And... Uh, you know, I've had different friends over the years that have made me accountability partner, uh, partners with them. And there are people I've had that have been accountability partners for me. Where, where you know, uh, I had one friend that he struggled. He did a lot of traveling ministry and stuff like that. And when he would go places, um, you know, sometimes he would get caught up in stuff that's on hotel uh, TVs. And, and he would just get caught up in situations and he would, he would, get, he would get pulled down. And he just said, I, 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 I got to have somebody I can talk to about this to help me break free from this situation that I'm in. Sometimes you've had things that have happened to you. You know, uh, uh, the, the way I say it, and I'll end on this. I'm not going to be able to get to these last couple points. I'll, I'll try and do them at another time. But there's, when, if, you, if you ever have used a CB radio, 
They have on the radio a knob they call the squelch knob. It's marked that way. And if a squelch knob is fully open, the radio constantly goes when somebody talks. All the time. As you're driving down the road, it would just be making that sound all the time. And so what the squelch knob does is it actually desensitizes the radio. So you turn it and you turn it and you turn it until finally all the hissing just stops. And the only signals that can get through are the strongest signals. Those are the ones. So, so they turn it down until now the radio is quiet. I'm driving down the road. Somebody says, hey, breaker one nine, breaker one nine, you know, starts talking to me. You know, it's in that kind of way. Well, what I discovered inside myself is that I have a squelch knob. That when I have a lot of unresolved issues, things that I haven't dealt with, things that are happening, it's like I have this constant hissing going on in my all the time. It's like there's this background noise inside of me all the time. And so what I do is I grab my squelch knob and I desensitize the radio. But when you desensitize the radio, you don't, you don't desensitize it to the, to, the, to the static. You also desensitize it to every signal that would try to get to you. It, it, becomes, it has to be strong, a strong, strong, strong signal to get through. So I desensitize the radio. And my whole life becomes desensitized because I have not dealt with the issues that are really going on inside of me because, and the things that have happened and the struggles that I've faced and, and feelings that I've had and all this kind of stuff. And so, so, so I, have to, I, I have to somehow clear out the static. And I found that the best way for me for clearing out the static is to talk to somebody, to confess, to sit down with a trusted, godly person that I believe in and sit with them and say, you know what, I just need to, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not asking you to counsel me. I'm not asking you to straighten out my problem. I'm not asking you, but I need somebody that I can talk to about this thing that happened to me. And I've had, I, I had a, one time with a leader here at the school, a good friend of mine. I sat down with him and I just said to him, I said, I need you to give me an hour, hour and a half. I said, and I just want to talk to you. Because I have all this stuff built up from my childhood, from, and it's just constantly attacking my mind. I just need to say it out loud to somebody that this happened. or this. And I just sat with them and spent an hour and a half with them, dumped everything. He prayed with me at the end. But the process of me talking it out, he didn't solve my problem. He didn't give me a solution. He didn't heal me or anything like that. He... I just spoke, and as I spoke, it came into the light, and somehow the light itself, somehow just, it, it did something to the whole thing and, and cleared this stuff out. It began clearing this stuff out, and, and all at once the static started going down in my brain, and I could turn up the sensitivity of my spirit without fear that I was going to be assaulted with all these different things, these memories and other kinds of issues that were. Because I had, it wasn't that the memory was gone. It wasn't like when I confessed it, the memory disappeared. But it was like the poison that was in the memory got drained out. So I could think about the memory, but without emotion, without, uh, without the, the effect that it had on other aspects of my life.
And uh, this is a very powerful thing I'm talking to you about. And some of you, this is what you need. You need to break free from stuff. You know, a lot of times, you know, we struggle with things. You know, people struggle with all kinds of, you know, gender confusion issues and, and uh, you know, all kinds of different stuff that, 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 that goes on that is rooted in deep pain that never gets revealed, never gets talked about, never gets it comes out, and then the person is battling all kinds of feelings and depression, all kinds of issues and things like that, and they need to get this stuff, this festering wound of their soul. Many times that the beginning of it came not from something they ever did, but from something that was done to them. But this festering wound in their soul that never has seen any light and therefore has never experienced any healing. And they're constantly trying to keep control of what's happening by pulling the, pulling the, in the dark, pulling the stuff out by the roots, and then dropping it back down into the darkness, and it puts its tap down again. God wants to give us uh, freedom, wants to break us out. Let's just bow our heads and our hearts right now. Can we do that just... Lord, when we talk about this issue of sexual temptation, we, you know, we're, we're honest in this place, and uh, we know that there's not a person in this room that's not having to process and walk through and deal with this. And Lord, we live in a we we live in a season in a time where literally we are constantly assaulted on this issue, constantly having to be gone after. Many of us have been touched uh, during our lives growing up, even as children, when we really were defenseless. We didn't even have the equipment to process any of this stuff, but we were touched by sexual issues and touched by sexual images. And and we've never, it, it's these, these things, some of them have been secrets in us for years and years and years. Lord, I just pray that you will enable every person in this room to find what I've found through the power of confession. And that they will find the release, that they'll be able to turn the static off in their hearts. That they'll be able to silence this noise that's going on because they're being honest. They're confessing. Lord, we thank you for it now. I trust you that you're going to help each one of us to find our way in this area. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.